morning. Morning. Bring this down a little bit. <laughs> that was great. So uh, thanks so much, worship team, for uh, just leading us into the Lord's presence. That was really awesome. Well, welcome to Arise Church. And um, we're glad that you joined us today. We've been praying for today. We pray for each week and that God would just touch every one of our hearts. He would change us and mold us and shape us and do whatever he needs to do to uh, bring purpose, meaning to our lives, to bring hope and connect us with Jesus Christ. So we're going to go ahead and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we give you glory and thanks and praise this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness towards us. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are able to reach us no matter where where we're at in life. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just come and move in a powerful way. Build us, mold us, shape us, do whatever you need to do to draw us closer to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So um, we are growing a community of people who love God, love others, and make disciples. I think that's just really exciting stuff. It's, it's, it's really great because it's different terminology than like, you know, building a building, um, but we're growing a community of people. So that's, that's just really cool to me. Anyway, so um, there was a guy, his name was Joe. And Joe was looking for a job, out of work, hadn't, hadn't, hadn't been to work for a while, and uh, needed a job really bad. And so he's looking, a friend of his says, you know what, I saw an ad in the paper, the zoo's hiring for some sort of position. So Joe goes to the zoo and, uh, and checks in, and, and, and the hiring manager says, you know what, we just filled that position, but you know what, there's another position that's open. Um, it just opened up, and so if you're willing to you know, consider that, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. And, and Joe's like, sure, I got nothing to lose, what do you got? And so he says, actually, what this is is for our gorilla. So our gorilla is the most popular attraction, and uh, our gorilla just passed away. So we don't want to, like, you know, send people away from the zoo that want to come see the gorilla. So all we're asking you to do is maybe dress up for a couple weeks, something like that. Dress up in the gorilla suit, and, uh, and, then, and then we'll go ahead and get another gorilla in here in the meantime. And so you just, you know, pretend like you're a gorilla for a couple weeks. So Joe's like, okay, well, I guess I could do that. And so he just gets dressed up in the gorilla suit, and... And a couple weeks go by, he's getting pretty good at this. He does some pot swing, a little bit of swinging by the branches. He postures, you know, beats on his chest a little bit, lets out a couple little roars from time to time. He's making this a good show for people, right? And then there was once when he was doing, doing a little swing that, uh, that his, his grip let go, and he finds himself over there in, 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 in the lion's den, right? The lion's cage. And uh, so he sees the lion there over across the way, and Joe kind of, kind of scoots back against the wall and he gets real close to the, to the wall. The lion gets closer and closer and eyes him hungrily. And then Joe's all the way back against the wall and then he yells out. By now the crowd's gathering, right? So he yells out, oh God, please help me. And then the lion gets really close to him and then Joe hears, shut up you idiot or you're going to get us both fired. <laughs> so that's a bad day. <laughs> but we have these banners, we have this slogan, your best day is here. Your best day is here. That's pretty presumptuous, isn't it? How could we say that? So if you had the opportunity to craft your best day, if you could like 
string together a sequence of events and say, this would be the very best day of my life. This is what I would love to see happen. And then it would be like given to you as a present, as a surprise on, on one day or another in your life that you don't even know when. What would that day look like? What would you package up in that box? Would you win the lottery? Hey, that'd be a pretty great day, right? Never have to work again. Awesome. Maybe you'd have your perfect date. Maybe you you maybe that's your wedding. Maybe that's when you meet your dream spouse. Maybe that's that's when you're you know you're going together and you and and like driving off into the sunset on the beach at your honeymoon dream car, all that kind. Of, maybe it's that. So how could we have the audacity here to say your best day is here? How could we even say that? So we're gonna we're gonna take a look in Acts chapter sixteen at four different people who started their day unsuspecting of what was going to happen, of, of any clue of importance, but it ended up being turned completely upside down into the best day they could ever imagine. The best day they could never imagine. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> so the setting here is church planning. So Paul and some other church planners are going throughout Asia, and they're going to the city of Philippi, which is the foremost city in Macedonia. And so there's no synagogue there. And so they're like, you know what? Well, we're just going to go and pick up reading in, in verse 8, Acts 16, 8. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And then in verse 14, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. So here we come to Lydia. So what do we know about Lydia? She's a seller of purple. She's an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. She's successful. right? We find out later she's got discretionary income. So she's doing well for herself. A successful business person. So what does it take to be a successful business person? You've got to have some grit. You've got to have some determination. You've got to be a pretty confident leader. right? So we have a successful businesswoman, but you know what? She's not getting everything that she needs spiritually. So she's, she's kind of spiritually starving. She's going, she's going down to the prayer meeting. There was, it, was a, it, was, it was a colony. There weren't that many people there, and so they didn't have enough people to make a synagogue. You needed 12, people to, 12 men to make a synagogue. So without a synagogue, the best they could do is gather together by the river and pray together. And so she would do that. She would she would go like get those spiritual breadcrumbs to keep her to keep her you know life going a little bit. But she was spiritually hungry, right? So she was a successful businesswoman, but spiritually starving. Socially adept, driven to succeed, gleans inspirational tidbits. So in today's terms, she'd be a lawyer, accountant, or an entrepreneur, driven to succeed. She'd probably get inspirational tidbits, you know, downloaded to her on Twitter. You know, Dalai Lama, Oprah quotes, those type of things. And she'd try out a new church like this just to find out what's going on, just to, to, to glean a spiritual tidbit. But she's still spiritually hungry. So if you're a successful person but spiritually starving, then we're glad you're here. Because there's more to the story here. So in, 
is continued in 16. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So Lydia heard. She heard. Why? Because the Lord opened her heart to hear. Right? So the application here, you can come to Jesus anytime you want to. Anytime you want. Jesus is always available for any time anybody ever wants to come to him. The problem is you'll never want to come to him in and of yourself. None of us will. We're all born with this broken wanter. Where instead of running to God, who's the only one who can satisfy all of our needs, instead of running to him, we turn and run away from him in and of ourselves. It takes God to open our hearts to turn us to him at all. To turn our hearts to hear him. And so Lydia heard Paul. Lydia heard. God opened her heart. You know, and even if you even if God only speaks to your heart one time or maybe two times in your life, something like that, that is more than enough to condemn us that God spoke to our heart and that, and that he was calling us to himself. So what does a successful business person who's spiritually starving do when they hear the message of Jesus Christ? Let's see what let's see what she does. And when she and her household or I'm sorry, and when she and her household were baptized, whoa. Whoa, 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 that was like really fast. Let's back up there a little bit. That was like 100 miles an hour, ran through that. So we're going to go ahead and back up. And, and that was a whirlwind and a blur. So she is so decisive and determined that she knows, and, and as an entrepreneur, she knows a con job when it happens. She knows when somebody shows up and they're, and they're a sham, but she also knows the real deal when it happens. And so the real deal comes along. And as a successful entrepreneur, do you think she's got to hear that twice? Somebody who's spiritually starving, does she need to hear it twice? No, she only hears, needs to hear it once. So she acted on the opportunity for spiritual life. And then she led her household to be baptized. She didn't waste any time at all. But that's not it. And then in verse 15, the next part. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she, so she persuaded us. So she begged for more instruction. She got her whole family saved. Her whole family was baptized, right? So this is kind of like, have you ever been to an all-you-can-eat restaurant? And then there's a maybe a family that came in, and they obviously are pretty hungry today. But, you know, by the way, by the way that, that they piling food on the plate and stuff like that. Have you ever seen that? It can get messy. I've been there. I've, 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 I've been really. Okay, so there's a story when I was. Um, Growing up, no, no, when I was, so I, I went off to, the year before I went off to college, or a couple weeks before I went off to college, my dad brought me to this all-you-can-eat restaurant. We, we just grew up really poor, so we never went out to eat. We, we went to this all-you-can-eat restaurant, and they had ribs, and I had never had ribs in my life, and these things were so good. I kept eating, and I ate like five or six platefuls of ribs. I was just really hungry, and I was growing, right, doing a lot of sports and stuff like that. And um, then a year later, I came back on vacation, and we went to the same all you could eat restaurant, and, um, and they didn't have ribs this time. And so I, so I asked the waitress, why don't you have ribs? You had ribs a year ago. And she said, yeah, there was this one kid that came in here. He ate five, six plates full of ribs. We couldn't afford to do that anymore. So they gave up the ribs. Anyway, that's kind of what it's like with Lydia here. So Lydia is like eating. She's, she's like grabbing hold of everything that Paul would give, begging Paul for more information because she found life. She found spiritual life, right? So she committed her discretionary cash. She, she boarded Paul for a couple, for a couple. She'd been waiting for this for years. So she had success, money, confidence, friends, all that. But this is the thing that she longed for. So Jim Carrey says, he said once, I hope everybody can get rich and famous and have everything that you ever dreamed of so that they'll know that it's not the answer. 
coming everything do you want is not the answer. So Lydia was going about her normal Saturday routine, and then Jesus Christ broke into her life, into, into the area that she needed the most, and she grabbed the opportunity, and she took it. Her best day was right then. So if you're like Lydia, if you're successful but spiritually starved, maybe you've got the car, the house, the vacations, the family pictures that look like they came with the, with the photo frame, right? And you're hearing today's message, then God's, I'm, I'm praying that God's opening your heart, just like he did with Lydia, that you could hear. Because Jesus is the bread of life, and so now is your opportunity. Lydia, successful, confident business person, grabbed hold of the opportunity, and then she asked for more. She chased it down and grabbed hold of it, just like cash in the wind. I'm going to get all of that that I can. So the question is, will you do the same thing as Lydia? Or are you going to get all that you can? If so, then your best day is here. But the church planning, church planning team's journey, their journey doesn't end with Lydia. Here's some more people that they encounter. So the next one is a slave girl. So in verse 16, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. So she doesn't even have a name that's used. She's just called a slave girl. She's owned by multiple masters, so she's kind of like a racehorse where there's you know many people that have you know a, a stake in her. And because she's gifted with this, being able to tell the future. Sounds like a lot of fun, right? To be able to tell people their futures. The problem is, is along with that blessing, which really isn't, but along with that comes this curse of torment that, that you are possessed. You don't have control over yourself. And so that's what this girl was living with. For who knows how many years she was living with not being in control of herself and being owned. There's trafficking that happens today. And anyway, so we'll talk about that in just a second. Anyway, so then verse 17 and 18. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. So the best she could do, she was so in torment, and the best she could do is to cry out with this torment to say what she knew to be true because of her gift of you know, being able to see the future. These men tell us the way of salvation. That was the best she could do. That was the loudest cry she had. That was the greatest amount of courage she could. It took everything inside of her to just be able to yell that out. She was pleading for help. She was pleading it's kind of a shame it took Paul several days to really clue into that, to figure out who this girl was and what to do with her. But then finally he did. In verse 18, Then she did this for many days, but Paul, being greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Why? Because Jesus trumps everything. Have you ever played a card game? We like to play cards. I grew up in the mountains of Colorado, so there wasn't a lot to do. But we played cards and family was in town. And it was always fun when you had this really awesome hand full of Trump because um, then, you, you know, just about no matter what everybody puts on the card table, you, you throw your Trump down and then, then, then you get to take that trick and you take that trick and, you know, kitty, whatever. And it's like, it is really cool to have a lot of Trump. Having Jesus is Trump. Jesus trumps everything. If you have Jesus, you will always win the round. No matter how bad, how strong, how powerful the forces of evil are against you, if you have Jesus, you trump, you will overcome. 
So this was this girl's first day without torment. She'd been forced to do what she hated to do. She'd been probably lured on to being in addictions for her whole life. She was somebody who was trafficked for, for who knows what reasons. And she came upon Paul, and Paul gave her the message. Paul cast out the evil spirit, and she had her best day ever. Best day ever. She was so tired of being controlled. She wanted freedom. She cried out to Jesus. It doesn't matter what's got a hold of you. If something's been tormenting you, if something's been controlling you, maybe a, an addiction, maybe a bad relationship, maybe just something that's hurtful that you can't seem to break away from, Jesus can trump that. There is nothing more powerful than Jesus. He can trump any one of those things, any of all of those things. So when the opportunity came for her, it, it came in, the, in, in her seeing what Paul was all about and the other you know, apostles with him and crying out. She cried out for help in the best way she knew how. And the Lord delivered her and gave her the freedom that she wanted. And that was her best day. So my question for you is, Jesus is near. Do you have something that you need to be delivered from? Then cry out to him. If you do, he will rescue you. And this will be your best day. Your best day ever. And that brings us to the prisoners. In Acts 19, or 16 verse 19. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to, re to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So unfairly, Paul and the other you know, church planners got thrown. They got beaten. They got thrown into prison. I'm glad that doesn't happen these days, in America anyway. It happens other places. But, um, and so now they're in there with the prisoners, right? Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So if you're a prisoner, and we don't know what these prisoners were in jail for, um, but they probably were not innocent. Most people who are in prison, most of them are not there because they're innocent. Some of them are, but some of them, most of them probably are not. So they're probably deserving of prison, right? But you know what? You don't have to be in prison to, to know that you're, like, to have a convicted guilty conscience. You can live with a convicted guilty conscience out of prison, but you know what? It is torment. It is so tormentful. You know, if, you, if you've ever, like, gone for a span of time where you know you did something wrong, I think we've all done this, where you know you did something wrong, and you haven't confessed it, it hasn't come out on the table, it hurt, it is so hurtful to keep that on the inside. And so these, these people were guilty, and that's why they were in prison, and you know what, we can all be guilty of a convicted conscience, right? So in today's society, this could be convicted criminals or prisoners of a guilty conscience, 
you know, anywhere, anywhere along those lines, right? And these people might try out a new church based on the tiny hope that their guilt may be assuaged just for one hour. Just like for that one hour of time that I can forget about those awful things that I know I'm guilty of. Maybe for one hour of time I can have this little bit of peace. And they might try out a new church because of that. So if you're a prisoner of a guilty conscience, and I'm glad you're here, God has something for you too. Just as with the prisoners in Paul's story. So in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the jailer, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And so the prisoners were listening to Paul. They were listening to Paul and Silas and the others just singing praises. And so what's not, I'll tell you what's not normal about this is when you have a prison full of a bunch of guilty people and then the prison doors swing open, the prisoners stay. Why would the prisoners stay? Because they were so gripped by what Paul and Silas were singing and praying that they had never felt this kind of peace before in their life. They had, been, had this guilty conscience. They'd been convicted. That's why they were in prison. And they were living with this you know, hatred of themselves for so long. But now, just for this one period of time, they're listening to Paul and Silas sing and pray, and it's just like the best thing that they've, it's like water washing over their heart. Prison doors swing open, these people could easily run away, but none of them run away. The atmosphere was too good. They finally had, they finally felt peace with God and with self, with themselves, and they felt love for the first time. When freedom from prison isn't as good as what you're experiencing, then something special is really happening. When you'd rather stay in prison and enjoy the presence of God than get out and, and be, be chased by your guilty conscience for the rest of your life, something really good is happening in that place. So the prisoner stopped running. No more running from the law or from God or from guilt. And in essence, basically what happened is they came clean right there, resulting in peace, right? So before Saul and Pilas... But before Paul and Silas, their best day, if they would have described it, they would have, been, they would have said, to get out of jail for free, right? That would have been their best day, they thought. But after Paul and Silas, their best day was peace with God, even while they're still in jail. So if you're a prisoner of guilty conscience and you want peace with God and with your soul, then now is your opportunity. Do what these prisoners did and just come clean with God. Whatever it is that you've done in, in your history, you know it is not too big for God to forgive. He can forgive any of those things, and he has forgiven any, every one of those things. And if you want him to, he'll forgive you too. If you've wronged somebody, God may, God may tell you to, that you need to go and repent to them and ask them for forgiveness. And if he tells you that, then do what he says. He's God. He's only out for your good. If you do what he says, you know what? You are going to have so much joy and so much hope and life and peace on the inside. He'll cleanse you from the guilty conscience and rehabilitate you from any problem area. So when the opportunity came for these prisoners to, to grab hold of spiritual life, they grabbed it. They stopped running. They came clean, and they abided with God. So if you're a prisoner of a guilty conscience, my question for you is, will you stop running? Will you come clean and abide with God? Because if you do, 
then your best day is here. And that leaves us with the jailer. So this guy was a public servant, very responsible fellow, right? He had a chain of command. He had policies and procedures. If he lost a prisoner, that meant death. And so that's why he was going to kill himself at that point. And so he put Paul in the inner prison and fastened his feet just to make sure that this, this hardened criminal wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't get loose, right? Because that would mean his, his job and his life. So he's experienced. He's a public servant, responsible, experienced, hardened, and he's not religious, he has nothing to do with religion. He has been in charge of this jail probably for years. He's seen religious people come and he's seen them go, and they're all the same to him, dirtbags. He has, he has no respect for religious people. So in today's society, this, this would be probably a police officer or a city employee, somebody with like 20 years of experience that's seen all types of people, knows the importance of procedure, loves their standard paycheck, right, and has no respect for religious people. They probably would not try out a new church, just like this, you know, jailer didn't try out a new church, but the church came to them. So if you're an experienced, hardened skeptic, then I'm glad you're here, because God's got something in store for you, too, that we're going to see with the jailer's story. So verses 27 through 29. <clears throat> and then he was about to kill himself, at the end of verse 27. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, we're all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he was, so he was living in the barracks, like on the inside. And so he drew his sword for, for, for suicide. Then Paul called to him, Do yourself no harm. This is the first time probably he's ever seen somebody who has the power of his life or his death and gave him life. They all could have ran. They all expected they should have ran. But instead, they stayed. And to, to him, that was the gift of life. These prisoners, Paul and Silas, loved him so much that they stayed so that he wouldn't be put to death. God's gift to this, to this experienced, hardened skeptic was crisis. The crisis of him expecting to get put to death. And then he runs in and goes and sees Everybody's still there. He calls for a light and brings it in. He had no control. He's used to having control over every situation, but he lost all control. And so he was in this area of crisis. But you know, God had absolute control. He had all this, all this thing figured out. The jailer had no hope of life. And so he was going to end his life in just milliseconds. But Paul stepped in and saved it. This experienced hardened skeptic experienced compassion. For the first time, probably. God used his crisis to make his heart open to compassion. It's what, that's what it took to break the hardness of the jailer. Interesting thing about material hardness. I'm an engineer, right? Material hardness is usually inversely proportional to the ductility or flexibility. So in layman's terms, the harder a material is uh, like to break, the more flexible it is, or, or vice versa. Something that breaks easily is not flexible. Something that flexes easily is, is, is harder to break, right? So anyway, this guy was so hardened that he just had no ductility in him. He needed to be, like, broken. And so God used this crisis to break into his life. And then so he says in verse 29 or 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then, so, so Paul spoke the word of the Lord to his household. This was at midnight, right? Then he brings them in and washes their wounds brings him into his house. And so then, then they spoke, verse 32, they spoke the words of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour and at night and washed their stripes. 
and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set them he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So it took such a crisis to get this man ready for salvation. You know what? If, if, if you're like this person, then God may use a crisis to break into your life. The crisis might be physical. The crisis might be with your family. The crisis might be... Um, you know, with work or job or, you know, financial security, any one of those things. But you know what? The purpose of that crisis is going to be to open your heart to receive God's compassion. And if that's you, if you have a crisis in your life, then God is knocking on the door of your heart with compassion. And so my question for you is, will you come to Jesus in your crisis just like this jailer did? And if you do, then this day is going to be your best day also. So how could we have the audacity to proclaim that your best day is here? Because no matter what situation you're in, if you're, if you're a successful but spiritually starved person, then Jesus gives spiritual food in relationship with God, and he can do that today. If you have an addiction in your life that controls you, then Jesus frees from addiction and bondage, and he can do that today. If you're a prisoner of a guilty conscience, Jesus can cleanse that and give you peace with God and with yourself. And he can do that today. Or if you're an experienced, hardened skeptic, then Jesus can give you joy and salvation today. Or if there's any other category that's not here in the scripture, but you might think, you know what? Your best day is not what you imagined. It's what God has imagined from all of eternity. You're not here by accident. None of the people in this story were there by accident. All of this was orchestrated by God to have the maximum impact in every one of their lives because God called each one to himself. You're here today. God's trying to make this a maximum impact time for you. So if there's one thing, the one thing that you need for your best day to be here, I'll tell you it's not money. It's not, it's not the perfect day or the dream house or the vacation. Or, it's Jesus Christ. As Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Jesus will give you a brand new heart, soft heart, because he came to seek and to save the lost. So if you're lost, if you're hurt, if you're broken, broken then he came for you. And he'll walk with you for every day. Every day that you want him in your life, he will be there. He is there. And for everybody who does this, then your best day is here. And your best time is right now. And so I'm going to close this in prayer, but I'm going to ask Eddie and Marilyn if they would come on down. Just to pray with people. And so if something in this message touched your heart, then we're going to, I'm going to pray and then we're going to go ahead and, um, we're just going to go ahead and close in prayer. Maybe do a song. Sorry, we're a church plant. Sometimes things are a little fuzzy around the edges. So, uh, and then, then I want to go ahead and give a shout out here too also. We're going to be starting a couple new small groups. Um, we're going to be starting on Wednesday nights a uh, kids outing group. And so basically like every other Wednesday we'll do like a fun, cool thing for the kids. And um, then that'll be, uh, you know, something that we'll do a Bible message, do a fun, cool thing with the kids and youth also. And then on Friday nights we're starting a college and career age um uh, small group, and so that's going to be that's going to be really cool. It won't start this Friday, but the Friday after that, 
and that's going to be here in the mall in the food court. And so we're just going to like grab a pizza or a couple pizzas and toss it on the table and do a cool Bible study. So anyway, and that'll be about the life God blesses. So we're going to go ahead and pray. And then um, if you'd like to come down, Eddie Maryland would love to pray with you. They're such a blessing to us. And we just love them. So Heavenly Father, we come to you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you glory. Uh, that for this day. Thank you, O Lord, for your scriptures that we can just hear your voice through. Thank you for this time that you've set aside. We just ask, O Lord, that you would protect every one of us, that you would keep everyone here in the palm of your hand, that you would just draw all of our hearts to you, and that every person here would just feel the great, amazing, unlimited love that you have for them. We ask that you would just bless us as we go today, keep us safe, Give us a really great week.